Hello, sweet drunkies. Welcome to Drunk Downton. If you are a Downtoneer or an Abbey head, however you identify, who is super fucking excited, super fucking excited about the Downton Abbey movie coming out next year, this is the show for you. We are creating a commentary for each and every episode with historical context and fun behind the scenes facts for you to listen to on your journey back to Downton. My name is Kate. I'm a history nerd. My name is Elizabeth, and I work in television production. And, and we, we both love Downton Abbey and drinking. So this is Drunk Downton. So this is Drunk Downton. Crack open a cold one. Or pop that bubbly and let's dive in. And let's dive in. Press play when you hear the clink. Yay! Yay! <laughs> oh my gosh, drunkies! Last one. It's the last one! She hesitated. We also had plenty to drink, but still. I took your hand, okay? She took my she took my fucking hand. It's cool. We're cool. Everything's fine. Everything's cool. I can't believe it. And okay. we're gonna yes. go watch the movie. And we're gonna watch the movie. Things are happening. Tonight. We're going to the movie tonight. <laughs> we can't wait. We're gonna go watch that Downton movie. Uh, I think there's a lot of time towards the end where, of this episode, where Elizabeth and I gave up on the research aspect, and, um, aw, look at the new pup. And, uh, and so we'll, um, we're gonna discuss what we want to see in the movie tonight, but anyway, okay. So, uh, interesting that they're sending Marigold away to school, but Sibby... Edith is sending Marigold away, but like no well, one is Edith like worried is about Sibby. Well, Edith is a worldly London lady, and Sibby is like them having Sybil nearby. Oh, I love that! <laughs> Thanks, Tom. <laughs> a glacier instead of a glacier. <laughs> So we're starting here. It's nineteen. It's September nineteen twenty-five. Mary and Henry have been married for like a month or whatever, um, or so. So we end this this episode, mm-hmm. January first, twenty twenty-six, mm-hmm. and that makes the entire series beginning to end thirteen years, eight months, seven days. Love that. I almost went rent and did all the minutes, but I didn't. <laughs> yeah, it was like 13 million or something. Oh, like, yeah. not as snappy. Not as yeah. snappy. <laughs> so, Henry's a smoker. I think maybe they had to make him a smoker because nobody else on the show is a smoker, and at this time, smoker, everyone would have been smoking. Mm. Like, Thomas is a smoker, but we haven't seen Barrow smoke since World War One. I, I feel like. That's true. And we, like, almost never or see the least, guys smoke at, after dinner. Right. Or, like, we might see them with lit cigars in their hands, but we never see them smoke them. Like, when Matthew was around, I feel like we saw some cigars. Right. But no one that would go off on their own and have a cig, except for Barrow and, um... O'Brien. O'Brien, at the beginning. But they're evil. A lot of times, TV movies use... Cigarettes is evil, <laughs> like the evil people smoke. But Henry is our, we like Henry. Henry's a good guy. He's I also think, very stressed out. Yeah, but I also, I also feel like 
you know, he's a he's the common man, he's a race car driver. Everyone was smoking, literally everyone. Even women were starting to smoke at this time. Like, mm. women were smoking. Everyone was fucking smoking in the ni- in 1925, so. We've talked about smoking before. Rose yeah, smoking. Yeah. But. Yeah, I feel like they just needed to add another character that does smoke, since everybody was smoking and nobody on the show smokes. <laughs> I, um... I think it's interesting that I, she's she's definitely sick, but she's like dressed, but she just doesn't go downstairs. The dowager. Oh, drawer. <laughs> Snooping can be fun. Do you? Do you? Well, he's shaking. I As an like actor, I feel like that's gotta be hard. That's to, gotta be hard. To, to, to do, do that convincingly. Yeah. It is. Especially right here where it's subtle. Yeah, I feel like it's not even that subtle. but It's not, but like, but it's, it's more subtle than, do. like, yeah. Um, Beard him in the den? In his den? Somebody said that. I heard it. Uh, beard him in his den just means to confront risk or danger head on. The phrase is a variation of a biblical proverb, beard the lion in his den. I love this. Everybody's outside in their tuxes with their cocktails. I Grantham has a fucking puppy. I want this life. Yeah. Can I, I'll order this life, please. (laughs) Can I put in an order for that? I mean, as we can see, there are ups and downs for everyone, upstairs and downstairs. As we, as Down Abbey so lovingly has showed us. Yeah. For these six seasons. <laughs> so wait, she's sick? Yeah, she's under the weather, it seems like. I wonder why they would make that part of, I don't remember. Oop, anyway, oop, okay. Oop, oop, oop. Oh. Like, you can't have a, like, he can't, you can't do your job. He can't do his job. But, like, so much of his job is just organization and management. Right. Like, he doesn't always pour the wine. Like, he doesn't need to fucking pour the wine. Right, right. Sure. This, do you feel like Mrs. Patmore getting involved in Daisy's love life is just a recycling of season two? Clearly, it's got a better outcome, but right. I just like, oh, are we doing this again? Well, but if someone was gonna get, I'm not surprised that Mrs. Patmore would meddle again, because I feel like in her head she'd be like, third time's a charm. I can't fuck this up the third time. Also, it just seems so odd. Like, a lot of these relationships seem like relationships of convenience. Like, especially downstairs. Yeah. It's like, oh, there's one available woman here. Her name is Daisy. I'm going to have a crush on her. Like, ugh, you don't get to meet all the people. We get to meet now. 
I'm thankful to have a large world instead of a small one. Yes, agreed. Aww. They are. They're a match made in heaven. They're super cute. Baxter mostly. Oh, here's the nail polish. Okay, so there's a lot history of nail polish. I was very impressed. Um, so, uh, da, 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 da. history of nail polish. In the 3200 BCE, uh, in Babylon, when warriors, warriors would spend hours having their hair curled and lacquered and their nails manicured and colored before going off to battle. Oh, shit. Yeah. The ingredient of choice? Coal. <laughs> That's what made, they would, uh, there was, it was a symbol of class. Black nails meant rich. Um, were higher class. Just because these uh, high pigment? Yeah. Like and pigment green work. nails, though, were lower class. Hmm. So black and green. And that was back, that was in Babylon. In 300 BCE, or 3000, sorry, 3000 BCE, Chinese uh use Chinese people used nail color as a distinction of class and dynasty. Upper classes would use ingredients like beeswax, Arabic gum, and egg whites for nail color, and those ruling often wore highly pigmented colors, like you just said, like red. Uh nail color was not allowed for everyone, however, during certain dynasties lower classes would wear pale colors or none at all. And uh, the war the wearing of royal nail colors was punishable by death. If you were caught with Shut red nail up. polish on, they would kill you. Uh, the ever-famous and influential Cleopatra used henna on her nails. Instead of applying it to her entire hand in intricate designs, she would dip her fingernails into the henna. And her choice of color was also red. Uh, blood red, this article so dramatically <laughs> says. Mary E. Cobb was the first, uh, learned, or Mary E. Cobb learned the art of manicure in France in the 1870s. She redeveloped the process and brought it to the U.S. And in 1878, she opened her first, the first ever nail salon in the U.S. called Mrs. Praise Manicure. Little did she know it would be one of the most popular and most requested beauty, beauty services in history. Yeah, girl. I mean, people get their nails done all the time. Uh, she didn't stop there. Her most influential contribution to the industry was inventing the emery board. Q-Tex then came along in 1911 with just one product, a cuticle softener. Uh, it has since grown into the beauty empire that we know it. Uh, nail polish... Nail polish used to come as a cake, a paste, a powder, and a stick. And the cake and the powder remained the most popular until liquid nail polish came along, like the one that we just saw um, Danker, Danker using. Uh, by 1925, liquid polish was virtually the only type of nail polish that people were using and on the market. In 1920, makeup artist Michelle Minaud uh, wanted to create a glossy nail locker, lacquer that mimicked the shine on automobiles. So, uh, her nail polish became so famous, especially popular with flappers, and in 1932 she launched, launched Revlon. She was the starter of Revlon. Anyways, um, that was from a birdie.com article that I won't post on the Facebook group. 
uh, but that you could look up, and it was it was a fun read about nail polish. Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> what is wrong with her? Who is she pouring all this tea up? For? Yeah, she's just constantly pouring cocoa or tea right, or weird. coffee. Like, okay, Mrs. Patmore, sit down. Ooh, like, take a break. Like. outside. Porn talking. Man, usually, usually my apartment is the one that's the loud one. <laughs> Uh. Um, Dowdry knows she's been busy with her new husband, okay? Right. <laughs> Don't be spiky. Ooh! Let's bring that up again. Right, like, let's just beat that horse. Well, it's only been a month, y'all, so just give him some time to think about it. Jesus Lord. I was going to say, she should feel like she should try to help, I think. Yeah, she should be obligated to fix yeah. this. Come on now. Uh, I don't okay. understand why, why Robert was like, Cora couldn't come. Like, why even go why there? Why bring it up, bro? There are a lot of people not there. Well, so I you going to go through all of them? Sorry. <laughs> Rosamond didn't come today. Right. Tom isn't here. Henry isn't here. Like, Okay, on. we get it. It's fine. The shaking. Mm. So we never touch again on their sexual relationship, which is fine, but I feel like since there was a to-do made about it beforehand. It's interesting that there was no little. There was no, like, things are going great. Like, even just, like, one line between her and Mrs. Patmore in right. this episode. So how are things going with the sex? <laughs> Obviously not phrased like that. Or even come up when she was in a house of ill repute, like Mrs. Hughes making a joke about her and Carson coming over to make it more of a house of ill repute. You know, like, I mean, obviously she would never make that joke. <sighs> I'm just saying, something like that. You're writing a different Downton Abbey. I know, I know, I realized it halfway through that. He, the holy family. Ah, uh, yes. Um, I noted it, the holy family is Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Jesus, obviously the son of God. Mary, the blameless one. Hold on. I, like, I, I did look it up. Well, okay, I didn't need to look it up. I knew it was Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, but there was, like, a whole... I looked up all the symbolism and stuff. Wait, hold on. I just deleted that on accident. Oh, my God. Okay, copy. Face. <laughs> okay, so we're about to talk about his illness. So, what was the link that I clicked on about the Holy Family? Uh, I, you know what? I'm going to talk more about the Bible later in this episode, so. Great. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. That's the Holy Family. Great, 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 great. Cla Catholic.org. What is Very popular in our household. Yeah, obvi, obvi. I see your crucifixes everywhere. <laughs> you can't see them, drunkies, but they're everywhere. The Holy Family is, like, the family that people are trying to, like... Emulate? Emulate, yeah. 
I like that you could interpret my hand motion there. <laughs> this is so sad. It is I'm sad, dying. but I'm glad that they're friends you. again. Aww. So, he just told her that he has pernicious anemia. Um, what's the difference between pernicious anemia and regular anemia, you ask, Elizabeth? I'm regular anemia. So you know that that's an iron deficiency. Mm-hmm. Pernicious anemia is specifically a B12 deficiency because your gut can't absorb it. So, um, back in... Uh, pernicious anemia was first described as a B12 deficiency in 1855. The symptoms included all the things that he just said, the sore tongue, included pallor, shortness of breath, jaundice, weight loss, muscle spasms. The cause was unknown, but it was fatal until uh, the ni- until 1934. So he was kind of still fucked in 1925. But by 1920, there was research on dogs, specifically, actually, that supported the consum- that the consumption of liver would help regain iron deficiency in regular anemia. But since this was a B12 thing, people weren't really surviving off of the eating of liver for pernicious anemia until 1934, when they got a shot that they could just give you, basically. Injected. Yeah. We just saw Edith's fucking weird dress again. Oh yeah, with the weird scarf that doesn't make any sense, and that we, we thought both it was a mistake. Think is a mistake. Yeah, it just doesn't seem right. The hair dryer. So this is our last like gadget we get to gab about, because we've gabbed so many gadgets like hair curlers, toasters, toasters, so many fun things, refrigerators. So the first hand dryers, hair dryers were actually really heavy. And some of them came with stands, so you could rest them on a stand as you dried your hair because your people's arms were getting so tired. <laughs> I mean, I never dried my hair because it's an inch and a half long, but, I mean, your arms get tired with the plastic light ones that we have today. Jeez. Um, so, in the beginning, the hair dryer was just in salons, obviously, in the 1880s. Uh... But, and it wasn't until, I'm just going to skip ahead here. Why don't I have the date for when they were at home? Hair dryers didn't take off until the first handheld units became available in the early 1920s. They were gun-shaped, as we could see. Uh, And they arrived right when women's hairstyles were shifting from mountainous piles, like Gibson girl curls that we saw towards the beginning of this series to all these like bobby pins and finger waves and all the stuff that they were doing now in uh for bobs pardon she's like are you leaving she's like i certainly yeah duh you're gonna you obviously need to have a conversation with this man i'll see in the morning god i wish i worked somewhere so fancy that i had to push people's chairs in for them that me i feel like that means big money you know if you're pushing people's chairs in for them anyway uh so (laughs) Oh, let me make sure I'm not on the cord for the mic and it's working. It's working. It's great. Okay. Okay. Um, so, uh, Rachel Maines, a technology historian at Cornell, said having clean, shiny, fluffy hair is a 20th century thing. Dirty hair could hide in a pompadour or whatever, but a shorter do that would free hang like a bob needed to be blow-dried. 
Mm. Yes. Just keep it clean lines. Right, right. Um, so also drying took a lot longer than today because their devices drew about 100 watts of electricity and modern hair dryers draw 2,000 watts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they're a little hotter, a little faster. And like I said, some of the early versions had, versions had pedestals because they were so heavy. <laughs> People couldn't hold them up. Interesting. Yeah. So, hair dryer, dryers. I like that. Yeah. Fun. Our last gadget. <laughs> our last Downton gadget. Pernicious anemia is our last Downton medical problem. <laughs> Because for some, I didn't know how much medical research I was going to have to be doing for this show. I learned so much about the human body. Fair. Not a bad thing. I know what a lot of diseases are now that I didn't know existed before. Like pernicious anemia. I knew anemia was a thing. Wow. Well, I'm trying to bring the crunch back. Oh, oh. Bringing the crunch back. Mm, these chips are really good, though. They are good. They are from Trader Joe's, of course. Organic elote corn chips. They're very good. I'm gonna have one too. Cause why not reminisce about the days that we crunched in the microphone incessantly? <laughs> they do taste like elote though. It's good. It's pretty good. good. Aww, yay! Aww. They're gonna be together! Edith is gonna be okay! now because I lived. There you mm. go. Well, Barrow has been trying to practice being nice with Andrew. True. We have barely discussed the coil thing. <laughs> because it's it was like a throwaway thing. Like, I feel like it didn't really have a lot of importance. I mean, it just was something for Baxter and Mosley to talk about, To basically. bond over, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> Cute. Old Thomas. Aww. Ah! <laughs> Yay! Yay! Ah! <laughs> sleep tonight we're so exciting wow oh my <laughs> oh my god we all know what the Gettysburg address is right yeah no we're good okay <laughs> right drunkies you all four score and seven years ago blah 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 the Gettysburg address it was a super important time in American history. If you're listening to and this for course. the history, which I know you are, you're all already experts at the Gettysburg Address. And of course, Cora is the one to make that reference as the American. As the American. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Bravo, Julian Fellows. You did minor American research for this. Oh. Goodbyes are real now. 
Goodbyes are real, and also I feel like Carson's being a little bit of a dick. I don't. I think he's just. He seems almost gleeful that he's leaving. Yeah. Though. Okay. He is taking too much pleasure in it. Yeah, he's like, say goodbye now, because you're gone, bitch. I love this little bit of them. They really steal the show in this last episode. These two. I think so, but they've been my favorite. I feel like they're my favorite couple the whole time. (laughs) They are. This is how I want to be, you know, after my husband dies. I need a boyfriend first, but. Yeah, whoa, Nelly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, let's rein it in. My friend Christine and I do talk about that sometimes, though. We're like, when we're old ladies together and both of our husbands are dead, our children are grown up, we can go traveling again. Oh, God. I'm like, can't maybe, wait. Maybe don't put that in the podcast. No, what? No, it's fine. Okay. My private conversations with Christine. No, no, no. It's. I think it's funny. But also, it'll be great. Just, we, I like looking forward to the future like it will be bright and still sunny and I'll still have my, you know, my friends around me. Even through tragedies like our spouses dying. That's sad. I'm not gleeful for that. Okay. I'm just saying. I'm looking forward to every stage of life. Or tr- attempting to. Attempting to. <sighs> I've never seen him with a clipboard before. I think I have seen him with a clipboard before. Aww. Aww. I didn't notice before that his vest is green. Mm Mm-hmm. And his lapels are beige. Mm Mm-hmm. Look at that puppy! I know just a little baby so cute I want a puppy I want a dog Uh. I love Cora's orange jacket agreed this is another one of those like like, I love it Trying to wrap it up. Yeah, like go down memory lane. Yes, here we go. Let's talk about. We have a history together. Uh huh. (laughs) Oh, and the fire happening. We're also we're also grateful that you saved ISIS that one time. What else are we grateful to Barrow for that we're not mentioning right now? Oh. Hmm. There are other things that he's done nicely for the family, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just struggling to think. Because <laughs> I'm drunk. Fair. Yeah, Isis. There it does. That's but a funny fair, line. That's a funny okay. meta. Yeah. <laughs> Julian Fellows is like, so many goodbyes in this episode. Because it's the last one. Uh. <laughs> hmm? Wake up, Kate. Yes. We have a whole episode to go. You mean Nespresso Martini? Oh my lord. Drunkies, we started early <laughs> today. got really out of hand. 
And I had an espresso martini right out the gate. And I was <laughs> very energetic. Yes. I was feeling the espresso way more than the t- vodka. Vodka. Yeah. But it was an excellent, it's an excellent cocktail. I love, I love an espresso martini. I try to sell them every night at my tables. I go, anybody need coffee, tea, espresso, espresso martini, and then I shimmy. And sometimes it works, and I'll sell a whole round of espresso martinis at the end of the meal, which is like another hundred bucks for me usually. I can't even imagine, like, 9 p.m. espresso martini. I can't either. I would be up until the next evening. (laughs) All the rest of the night. Oh my gosh, I do love this castle, right? Can like, you... you can hear her, like, the beats on her yes. dress jangling, it's so heavy. And also just, like, yeah. I Can you imagine as parents walking through this house and being like, this is going to be my daughter's house? That's crazy. She almost looks like Julie Andrews, this lady. Almost. Was it the hair color? Mm, no, like in her face a little bit. Julie Andrews is like taller and pretty. Oh, she has like an oval face. Maybe. I think it's interesting that there are three people serving this meal to three, three people. people. Yeah, it's a little it's overkill. A this seems I can't. Like this makes I can't. This plot point, I don't know. I like the little hanging bit on her head. Me too. I feel like it's got to be horribly uncomfortable. How does it stay on her head? Into her head. Ooh. Yeah, it does look heavy. All those beads. Oh, a full day of shooting with that thing? Ooh, Fuck. just weighing down your hair. But she's wearing Although a wig. She, it's a wig, yeah. yeah. At least it's not hanging off of your scalp. Ow, ow, ow. Tender head. Oh, come now. <laughs> I like, this is like, you are crazy. You're crazy. We're going to make an appointment. Everything's going to be okay. The slow sit. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder what their careers were. Because he doesn't come from a family of service, it sounds like. They don't. Mr. Carson? He doesn't? Well, because he was the theater kid or whatever. Yeah, but that doesn't mean his parents weren't in service. I don't know. It just never seems... I feel like we would know if he was a... From a long line of servants. Yeah. Because that whole thing about how he felt like a fake because right. he was a theater kid. Okay, sure. She's lady of the house. I know. I was trying to figure out, like, she's not the best person for the conversation, but she is. She is. She actually is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It took me a second to realize that.
you're quitting your job and she's I mean she's obviously cool with being the sole provider she knew that that was going to happen anyway but I'd also be like you can't just sit around the house yeah like what causes are you about to take out yeah do something interesting that Branson sits so far away from him yeah that does seem odd there's the a chair literally so right weird. next yeah well and it's just like they would have to talk so a bulldog drama and let's talk about that Instead of why they're sitting at the either end of a 12-foot table for some reason. Um, it's odd that he said... Okay, so Bulldog Drummond is a literary character that also appeared in short stories on the stage, in films, and radio, television, and even into graphic novels. But the character originated uh, in World War One-ish. Let me go to this article. Um, but, so, it's a fictional character created by H.C. McNeil, published under his pen name Sapper. Okay, I don't really care about that. Uh, Drummond is a World War One veteran who is fed up with his sedate lifestyle post-war and becomes a professional adventurer, a gentleman adventurer, oh. basically. Uh, he has, like, an arch nemesis, and there are a bunch of different storylines that go through, but... He his his backstory is that he's he was like the stealth killer in World War One. Uh, he is also proficient in jujitsu, boxing. He played cricket and he was an excellent poker player. Of course, all the things that make a man super sexy. It sounds a little Bondish. I've, like I've never seen a Bond movie, but this is what it sounds like. Don't look at me like that. This was not a part of the conversation. It just sounds Bondish. I can't breathe. You've never seen any Bond movies? No. How? How? Okay, Caitlin, we're doing Not the Downton one? Abbey podcast. Okay. What part of you thought that I saw fucking I, James Bond? I just, there are literally 75 of them. The fact that you never tripped into a bar that was showing a Bond movie, just, it's very, like, what? No part, like, what? no. No part of that is my thing. I mean, I get, you've never seen, like, Fast and Furious. Yeah. Because they're stupid. Correct. But Bond, I'm just, I don't know. I, I'm not going to force you to watch one because they're just action movies about a misogynist dude fucking chicks. But the early ones, at least. <laughs> and the later ones. Um, anyway, I don't, I don't know why. I, I, I don't know. It's, <laughs> <laughs> there's just so many of them, it seems. And it's like a part of like cinematic history. Anyways... It is Bondish. It's a little. He's a little Bondish, especially post World War One. This is all his backstory about him being a stealth fighter and all this. Uh, but yeah, so Ooh. there's like a whole series published about Bulldog Drummond. Yeah, he's all over the place. Sounds like a fun. You know, it's like a fun. He. It was a popular contemporary with contemporary audiences, selling three hundred ninety six. 1,302 copies between 1920 and 1939. Uh, in his peak in the 1920s, McNeil, McNeil, McNeil uh, was the highest paid short story writer in the world. Oh. It's pretty exciting. Uh, but yeah. So, this little standoff is interesting to me. Yeah, they... <laughs> uh, uh, what a bitch! 
What a bitch. Well, yeah. It, it's just so, it's like she, she thought she was being so clever and not obvious and all this stuff. And now that she's found out, she's like bitter about it. Yeah. So I've just been sitting here in bed casually with my shoes on thinking. Ugh. Yeah, I know. Take your <laughs> shoes off. Take your shoes off. It's very upsetting to me. Oh, oh. <laughs> I like the little eyebrow twitch. I always love an eyebrow twitch. He's cute. He's cute. so cute. It's funny that he describes himself as a Bull Drummond, though, because he has, like, the PTSD from the car crash and, like, this exciting life of racing cars, and now he's back in the normal world and he doesn't know what to do with himself, like Bull Drummond, so he's seeking adventure. Professional adventurer. Can you imagine? Uh, You're like, oh, this is my house now. Right? Oof. This, this is, this house is so big that it would be like, you really honestly wouldn't see every part of it every day or even every week or sometimes even for years. (laughs) Oh, I haven't been to that wing of the house in years. I would believe you if you said it. I'd be like, yeah, why would you? Because you have enough house in this, in these three rooms that you spend time in. Right, right. Because you only need three rooms. And everybody in the whole world. (laughs) She just keeps going. Yeah, she's like, let me continue. May I continue? Right, right. Definitely a windy day. You can catch some of it in the mic. I can hear it. I, for the entire series, assumed that Michael Gregson was going to show back up. I only did, and maybe he will in the movie or something crazy, because of Patrick showing back up in World War One. It seemed like, why wouldn't Julian Fellows reuse that storyline? Like, that's the most common soap opera trope of them all. Yeah, of coming back from the dead. Yeah. I think it is funny how we get to the end of things, anyone saying goodbye, it's always like, oh, let's just remember the good stuff. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That's as nice as you were going to get. Right. Well, so Barrow's going out. On a nice note himself. Because yeah. he could have just been, like, gone out in a place of glory to set the house on fire. <laughs> I know. What are alternate, like, Barrow leaving? I mean, setting the house on fire. Stealing Master George. <laughs> um, yeah, stealing Master George and running away to America. Or the dog. Or the dog again. That's his, like, only friend. It's this, like, four-year-old kid. That's, wow. Really sad. Because four-year-olds are going to let you down, bro. Why do they not let Marigold hug him? Like, why? Marigold's gone. No, she's in the back, in somebody's arms. Look. Oh. Well, because they're trying to play her down. 
She was such a bad actor, they wouldn't even let her give Barrow a hug. Yeah. God. That girl's never going to work again. Those twins are never working again. I know. It'll be interesting to see what her role is in the movie. <laughs> Probably minimal, if I had to guess. Well, it's been a couple years. Yeah, so she can talk she, now. Yeah, maybe you got a little bit more direction training. Maybe. Oh. Okay, here we go. I like that this, this room is blood red. It is. She's also wearing a similarly fabriced dress to the uh, Larry's wife. Oh, yeah. With that, it's like a weird gauzy that, fabric with a print. With the floral? Yeah. It looks like you could find that at Chico's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Not my fave, favorite of her dresses. And the, the mom, too, has got one of those overlays. Yeah. Like I a sheer. I conversation went. I know, that's one That's one where, like, I mean, we know what the outcome of the conversation is going to be. We already know that what she's going to tell her, but I would have liked to see those three or four lines. Yeah. I had an Aunt Elsie. I like that name. Me too. She was great Aunt Elsie, I guess. My dad's Aunt Elsie. Aww. I want to know why they have to separate the mothers. Did they eat each other's piglets or something crazy like that? Sounds like something weird animals would do. I don't want to look that up. Me neither. I'm, I'm going to resist the urge. Yeah. Even though I wanted, I kind of want to look it up. How yeah. did I, did I meet Salome? No, I didn't. Okay. I was like, how did I, I we've been watching this. <laughs> Is it? I mean, right, she's been like, there for 10 years, I guess. Well, how many? 13? What did you say? 13 years? Yeah. Something, something, something. Eight months. Ooh. Okay. Jeez. So, this guy's real life partner is Laura Carmichael. Edith. Oh, really? Yeah. This is Edith's boyfriend? Husband? Husband? Not husband, but... Wow. Boyfriend, partner, whatever. Did they meet at on Downton Abbey? Yeah. That's cute. Yeah. They're not in any scenes together. Very few, yeah. Very, very few. This is, okay, I can't. Okay, so I noticed in this scene, you know, she's like, all these people just keep saying to Daisy, you're you not going to do better. Right. Yeah, you. I mean, like, yeah, you could do worse. Like, what? <laughs> They're like, Daisy, he can't read, but he's nice. So you could do worse. He could just be a jerk who can't read. Also, I'm way more scared of you than Edith. I've known you longer. I think it's the real <laughs> answer to that. You've hurt me way more than you've hurt her. You bar- She barely knows you. Mm-hmm. Nope. Yeah, he's, he's in the 
actual position of power here, lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not how we feel around our parents. True. <laughs> she does have the high up. Yeah. Oh! Yikes. Oh! I mean, golly, there are, I mean, people still feel like they're damaged goods, goods nowadays. I thought I was going to have to marry my first boyfriend that I had slept with. Because I didn't sleep with my high school boyfriend. We were waiting till marriage. We I love the facade of that house. Kingston bag queens. Mm, I love it. Ooh. That is so fucked up. Yikes. This is one of those, like, does Isabel wish she was nicer somehow so that she wouldn't, like, how could they have fixed, how could, they, what conversation could they have had where she wouldn't have been banned from the house? <laughs> this is cute. They bring that, I bring know. your kids to work day. Yeah. <laughs> I do like that in this show the women are all in the position of power and the men are mooching off of them Dinka's tenure. I'm okay that she's not in the movie. Really? Yeah. If, like, at first I was like, oh, that's sad, but now that I've seen so much of her shit, I'm like, oh. Uh, she's Salome dancing around Spratt's Herod. Do you know about Salome and Herod? Okay. So, Herod was the dude that tried to murder Jesus as a baby. Okay. King Herod tried to murder Jesus as a baby. Yes. Heard about there was a baby born, son of God, gonna be king. He was like, I want to stay king, kill all the babies under two in the city. Jesus was okay. It also happened back in Moses' day as well. The slaughter of innocents. Anyway, um, sir, uh, Salome is Herod's stepdaughter of his new wife, of which the church did not approve. Is that right? No, of which John the Baptist did not approve. So John the Baptist was like, you shouldn't be married to this lady. She was the ex-wife of your brother. Uh, and he's like, I don't care. I'm going to marry her. She hates that John the Baptist said that. The wife does. So after Salome dances for Herod and all of his male friends at a party, the dance of the seven veils, a.k.a. stripped for all of them, Herod was like, I will give you anything you want up to half the kingdom. You just name it and I'll give it to you. And her mom goes, you should ask for John the Baptist's head on a silver platter. So Salome goes, I want John the Baptist's head on a silver platter. 
The end. Interesting. And thus, Enzo Herod had John the Baptist beheaded. It's a common theme in art history. That when we lived in Hollywood, uh-huh. and there was a strip club around called, the corner yeah, yeah. from us. Called the Seventh Fail. It's a fucking biblical reference? Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Your face. I, I would have to let that sink in for a while. <laughs> Your motherfucking face! Yeah, Dance of the Seven Veils. Salome, Herod. Okay. I think I got that completely right in my state of drunkenness. Because I didn't really take notes on it. I was like, this is what I can remember. Also, uh, Oscar Wilde wrote a uh, play called Salome. Hmm. A one act. I wrote a paper on it in college. (laughs) Because Salome is not one of the stories I learned growing up. It's a little more scandalous. I mean, she strips and then has somebody beheaded. <laughs> Not quite the... No. Happy, cheery. The beheaded part is in the Bible, but... Not the... Immediately what preceded <laughs> it. Yeah, how... Poor Barrow. He's also a bulldog drummond here. Look at those... That pineapple. pineapple. Yeah. So, pineapple. Tell us about pineapple. So... We've seen pineapple on the table before as a decoration, mm-hmm. but never served like this. Um, I thought that was very strange and it stood out to me. So yeah, um, plant is indigenous to South America. Um, hold on, let me just figure out what's important in this. Yeah, before sure, I sure, sure. <laughs> go down this rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, okay, so basically, it went from South America, basically Brazil, Paraguay. Um, to the Caribbean, Central America, Mexico, um, and Columbus encountered the pineapple in 1493. Uh, the Spanish introduced it into the Philippines and Hawaii. I think it comes from Spain. Like, the Spanish had supply lines going to South America. Got it. Back. Okay. So I think that that's where they're getting it from. Got it. But it's it would very exotic, just like the coconuts. Anything. Yeah, exactly. That's a good moment from Robert. He saved that. Yeah, basically telling her to get her shit together. <laughs> Son-mother relationship. And now I think he's so sexy, because everyone has told me that I should. <laughs> Pineapples are the universal sign of hospitality. Mm-hmm. I also heard they are a sign for um, swingers. What? <laughs> Somebody told me that once. That it's a little swingers too hospitable. Put, like, well, it's very hospitable. <laughs> that is the most hospitable I feel like one can be is take my whole body, um, not just my home. But in the South, there are a lot of um, exterior home decor uh-huh. that are pineapples. Yeah. Hospitality. Yeah. Not a bunch of swingers in the South. I'm I would saying. imagine. I can't. <laughs> I mean. I mean, they're oppressed people. Freaky so. deaky, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
Yay. Why didn't Cora pipe up instead of let someone figure it out? <laughs> I think she's piped up a little bit. I'm just saying. But... Well, I think it was also framed to her in the right way. Mm. Aww, <laughs> yay! In front of our parents, let's make out. Right. A little awkward. A little awkward, but... In front of the moral police. Right. <laughs> sure, yeah. Oh. I love the the granny renegades who just like yes. push in. They're like, and here we are. Here's this other another like fabric that's sheer with the print on it. Mm-hmm. Ha! <laughs> uh. Oh my goodness. I like that she's like, I'm gonna amp this up. Yeah, she's like, and I'm screaming now. <laughs> oh. His his sick makeup isn't great. It's but he does look sick. He does look sick, but it just feels a little fake to me. The under eye. Yeah. It, it's, nothing will be as bad as that weird oil paint that they put around Matthew's eyes. Oh, God. <laughs> God, I forgot about all of the, like, bad special <laughs> the, effects makeup. Yeah, from the World War One scenes. Aww, oh, Lord Merton. Yay. It's so funny, the way I remembered the end of the series, I remembered Isabel getting together with Dr. Clarkson. Oh! <laughs> and when, I was like, when it first didn't work out with Laura Martin, I was like, oh, okay, right, because she ends up with Dr. Clarkson, and then, like, this episode, and I was like, um, why did I misremember that? <laughs> Completely. Is that what you wanted in your heart of hearts? I don't know, maybe. Yay! It's a great idea. I think it's a good idea. I'd get married on the 31st. My mom and stepdad's anniversary is Christmas Eve. Huh. Which is cute. That is cute. That's what got you to... That's it? Yeah. I mean, I feel like Edith realizes that. She's like, I don't understand. But wait, what? There was another situation where was it Sybil though saved? Where no, I feel like Mary did this again, where she fucked up and then made a phone call and made everything okay. Probably. When did that happen before? Little Becky Sharp. Oh yeah, from Vanity Fair. Remember? That should be our next thing. (laughs) Vanity Fair, drunk Vanity Fair, drunk Downton colon Vanity Fair. Much better, much better. <laughs> there much better. we go. It'll still be Drunk Downton Drunkies. Stay tuned. Who knows? Maybe we'll do another series. Drunk Downton colon Outlander. Drunk Downton colon Victoria. Or The Crown. Or Jane Austen. Or, or any Jane Austen. 
or <laughs> Gone with the Wind. Mm-hmm. We have so many ideas, junkies. You just let us know. Aww. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, no. <laughs> they have... I love this. Why they... They're like, we have three months... We're going to jump ahead three months in this episode after this commercial break. So... Oh, there oh, we go. And there we go. And we're decorating for Edith's wedding for the third time. The third time? What am I missing? Well... Like, she got to the altar with Strallon. Yeah. There was one other time, I thought, that they decorated for Edith's wedding. Oh, Rose! Yay! A little fur shawl. Oh, thank goodness. Ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I feel like we just had How this conversation she... about huh? first birthdays. Like Oh yeah. It's not yes, about the yes. Baby. We were just talking to our friend this morning. She won't and know I was it's like, her birthday. The first birthday is about the parents. That's something my mom said to me last year when my, my nephew was turning one. She's like, well, you have to go to the party for Aaron and Hannah. And I'm like, uh, it's Arbor's birthday, though. <laughs> She's like, no, 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 no. The first birthday has nothing to do with the baby. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Congrats, you kept a baby alive for a year. Good job. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Very cute. cute. So cute. Aww. Aww. See. Burp. Not Susan. No, I hate my mother. Uh, but also, it's a Jewish... Well, I guess she's not a Jewish baby. But I'm going to say it's a Jewish tradition that you don't name your child after someone who's still alive. Ah, yes. Yes, you have told me this before. So it's weird that they would name her Rachel. Oh. After the mother who's alive. Who's alive. Interesting. And Cora, who's also still alive. I love how Anna's, like, about to blow. I know. Like, okay, so... She's come around. Three months go by, and they still haven't had... Like, she she came around at the end of the... She came around already, earlier, three months ago. exotic why does she think she's exotic why that part doesn't matter she thinks she's exotic because she's she has a she's a lady with a past she drinks she gambles she 
Khan's young men. <laughs> I kind of forgot about she's that. She's exotic. Okay. I think she's crazy, but whatever. I think she's clever as well. I said crazy. Oh, I thought you said clever. Wow, okay. Nope. 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 Okay. <laughs> good, 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 good. I've got my listening ears on. I would be sad to give up that beautiful house, but yeah, I've but never if you had, had to a beautiful live there house. With those fucking no, I guess if I had to people. live there with my awful son and his awful wife. <laughs> Let her go to her meeting. Serious. Uh. Okay. Okay, there's clearly something going on with Carson. Do you have to be so, like... Also, weird Why is he so dumb? Mary didn't fill him in on what happened while he was gone. I guess not. Uh. This would be a depressing life. This would be so boring. goodness how i mean how traditional can they be they have okay anyway who cares she does look wonderful she does not look like she had a baby three months ago right Yeah, she, Edith, Edith's like, ask me about it. It's my wedding. Right. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I did the the visits for the floors by myself. For my yeah. Wedding. Yeah, I mean. Easy peasy. Yeah. And then you get what you want. Right. <laughs> <laughs> then you get to make the final decisions. Which is also why I did the dress by myself. <laughs> Carson is so fucking dramatic. So dramatic. All the time. And like you said, he has so many more duties than he's, like, giving himself credit for here. Like, you don't just pour wine, Carson. You're a manager. Please do, Mrs. Hughes.
first dated. I mean, I would be. Yeah, exactly. It's a little drastic. It's super drastic. trust and have learned to love i love it he didn't fucking make a an effort and go to like a different the hospital. next town over <laughs> like you go to the hospital where your fiance works right and hope you don't run into her also like you know she's not at home so so where did you figure she was <laughs> well His eyes are so big. Well, he always, like, raises the eyebrows up like that when he up talks. Up to his, like, hairline. Yeah. It looks a little funky. Lovely. Look how big the doggy is. I know, it's getting big. Oh, oh Christ. Okay, yeah, just assume they're taking advantage of your wife. Weird dress. It looks like the phases of a moon. I like it. It's like velvet. Yeah, velvet circles. Yeah. Oh, everyone's surprising each other right now. A going concern. And this is a part of town that we have never seen. We have never ever seen. It seems so modern compared to like the little square. Right. Good. Uh, <laughs> I think that she's like got the shit. She's like, hold on. I'm seeing through this right now. <laughs> Mr. Rolls and Mr. Royce. And Mr. Rolls and Mr. Royce did make their own cars, but not before they were used car salesmen for a oh, while. Interesting. I didn't know that. So, um, basically, Charles Stuart Royce was born in 1877. He was high born. He went to Cambridge. He was accomplished motorist uh, by the time he left university and in 1903 he broke the world land speed record in dublin driving nearly 83 miles per hour damn uh but because the timing equipment was not approved nobody accepted that he broke the record okay <laughs> anyways uh Rolls set up one of his first car dealerships in britain with his friend claude johnson called C.S. Rolls and Company, and together they imported and sold different motor cars from France and Minerva, uh, cars from Belgium. Uh, in contrast to Rolls, Henry Royce was working by the age of nine. He sold newspapers and worked as a telegram boy, and at 14, Royce's aunts paid him to begin an apprenticeship at the Great Northern Railway. 
Working under one of the outstanding engineers of the day, he educated himself in electrical engineering, and he had a natural talent and landed a job with the Electric Light and Power Company. His true ambition was to make engineering his full-time job, and his fellow engineer friend Ernest Claremont and him worked around the clock, uh, and eventually patented improvements to the bayonet light bulb that we still use today. Anyway. Uh, it wasn't until he bought a second-hand two-cylinder French, uh, Dacouvi, I don't know, uh, that Royce became interested in motor building, motor cars. Uh, he vowed he could do better. By the end of 1903, he designed and built his first petrol engine, and in April 1904, he drove his first Royce 10-horsepower motor car into town. So... Uh, Henry Edmonds, a shareholder in Royce's company and a friend of Rolls, began boasting about Royce to Rolls and eventually had them meet. They met on May 4th in 1904 in Manchester. Uh, Rolls was convinced he loved Royce's new car and they created Rolls Royce. <laughs> um, they, anyway, the rest is history, really. So. The end. Rolls Royce. <laughs> We're about to see some shit go down. Excellent. With Daisy. Uh-huh. Of course. Of course. Uh, so there was an interesting article in Variety talking about the end of this sort of uh-huh. era uh-huh. of television. And it says one of the surprise stars of the farewell episode was the hairdryer, as we talked about. Uh-huh. Um, which debuted at Downton and inspired Daisy to cut her hair into a Dutch bob akin to Lady Mary's sleek shingle bob, which is also written into the show's show at Collins's suggestion. Um, they said that we presented the evidence to Julian to create the storyline and the uh, he's an amazing writer and it's a joy to have the storylines based on research. The hairdryer was a great way to show a changing world. Um, and then another fashion, uh, sorry, high fashion hallmark of the episode is these headbands that they all keep wearing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So they always sort of wear head hair pieces, but I feel like we've seen a lot of these drapey across the forehead headbands. Yeah. Um, apparently, it was inspired by the Tut Mania at the time. Oh. Um, oh, that makes sense. Egyptology was really popular. A married woman always wore a tiara inherited from her husband's family as a show of wealth, but the headband was the perfect look for the liberated woman of the twenties. Uh huh. Okay. That was the hair dresser who won an Emmy for this season. Got it. Or stylist, designer, whatever. <laughs> this is so weird. Why would Danker assume like that? Why would... Why would she... Yeah, why would she fire him? Because he writes an article in his spare time. I think now that we're coming to the close, we can also just talk about, like, the Downton Abbey effect in okay. life. Sure. Um, so, obviously, this show was insanely popular. Yes. And it had a lot of effect on culture. Um, so, one thing that I found interesting is between 2010 and 2012, the demand for British butlers more than doubled, and over <laughs> 2 million butlers in ballot. There are... Two million butlers and ballots who work around the world now. Only two million in the whole world. That's a lot. 
not really. Out of seven billion people in the world, how many sure, people? Sure, but like, are there? how many people are Population aristocrats? Fear. I mean, I guess. I mean, at least two million, I guess. Population. <laughs> um, most of these butlers desired. So they they want them all to be British, but they end up working in, like, Asia and the Middle East, mostly. Mm-hmm. From what I can tell in the mm-hmm. research. Um, the show... Oh, fuck. Poor Daisy. Well, also... She, it's like she didn't even try. It's like she hacked at it with scissors and then put her hat on. It's terrifying. I know. Um, the show also created a lot of historical interest, um, beyond butlers, of course. Uh-huh. Uh, British nobility are able to, to basically have a tourism industry now. Oh. Um, people go to their, their homes to visit in droves much more than any other time in history. Huh. Okay. It's interesting. Uh, aw. She looks so happy. She does look so happy. I like that Anna could just whip that out. Uh. <laughs> so I stole it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission, right? Yeah, that's true. I want somebody to fuss over me when I'm pregnant. I want all the fuss. I'm going to welcome it. <laughs> no I'll be like, fuss away. <laughs> Thank you so much for picking up this sheet for me. I'm about to bring life into this world. Aww. Her hair's so cute. I think her hair's cute like this. I do too. It would be so much easier too. Yeah, you just got to put the cap on. Aww. That's creepy, though. That no, shit right there. that's like, this no, is like... No, no. Take a fucking lock I mean, of her hair. ask. I'd ask before I just took it, but that it's was like... Fucking the romantic, weird. It's a romantic gesture. Yeah, but it's, it's a like misplaced an romantic gesture. Old it's timey, fucking creepy. Old-timey romantic gesture. People were still taking people's locks of hair until the last couple decades, I feel like. That's such a weird... Aww. <laughs> Cute. Wait, because she's pregnant, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So, the New York Times, in their sort of conclusion about the series, uh-huh. um, talks about that line that yes. she just said. Um, they say, A fact that Baron Fellows seems to acknowledge when, in the minutes leading up to Edith's wedding, Violet proffers the definition of an English happy ending. There's a lot of risk with any luck they'll be happy enough. Uh-huh. Um I think it's fair to say that Julian Fellows has given us the American version of a happy ending. In that, um, everybody, everybody, like... Everybody gets married and is pregnant and happy in the yeah, end. Yeah, and then everybody gets their little button and it's great. Right. It's very much... This, this, is, this very is very American. Yeah. Yeah, not catered European. to the yeah. American audience now. We all want a happy ending, baby. Yay! Yay! That's they. He can just eat some liver for that. He's not gonna <sighs> die. You're not gonna die. You just have to eat liver, bro. You're gonna be okay. <laughs> I would be terrified. I hate liver. Liver's nasty. Yeah. Blech. 
Don likes that is, foie gras, and I think it's... That is a flavor up. I just can't get down on. I've tried it so many times, and I don't want to be one of those people that's like, I've had so many opportunities to have foie gras, but apparently, apparently I've had enough times. I just don't like it, even if it's the best. It's also cruel, and I feel very strongly that it should be outlawed. And, I mean, there's, like, varying levels of that North Carolina... Or sure. Like, the New York is going the, through. Right, 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 right. The process of legislating. Uh, I'm glad that Edith has such a beautiful moment, because... I mean, because Mary's wedding was so rushed, she didn't really get... We didn't get, like, a veil, beautiful angel... Well, we did the first time. Bride, princess. Yeah, we did, but... Edith has already had this moment once, when she got jilted. That's true. Because that's what they were really leading us up to, to let us fucking down on that one. They were. I do like her little crown thing. She looks like a mermaid. You know what? I don't like it. You don't like I it? I don't like the way it sits on her head. I think it looks like nautical. It looks like it's glued to her head. <laughs> like I want it to sit higher up on the whatever. Just a little bit. Aww. Other facts about Downton Abbey? Yes. Um, gin export increased 9%. Uh, well, in five years, it increased 50%. 50? Yeah. Five zero? England. Yeah. Damn. Because of all of their... Gin cocktails. Gin cocktails. And gin is seems to be a primarily English... British, yeah. Interesting. Aww. Oh, I love weddings. I can't wait for your second wedding. <laughs> yeah. It will be fun. It will be so fun. Yeah. I will say, well, give me 25 seconds. Yes, while we watch this, have her let her do her walk down the aisle moment with all the cute little kitties behind her. Yeah. Who are those teenagers? I don't know. It threw me off, too. Uh. <laughs> okay. 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 Well, now we do, because now we like each other, because I fixed her life after ruining it. So, the fact that this is not a montage, like almost all of the other weddings have been, made sure. me nervous. Ah, okay. And this is another one of those times where I was like... Where he's like, you know, forever hold your peace. And I'm like, this is where fucking Michael Gregson shows up. And I was not alone. hold your peace. And he's like, wait. I read a lot of different articles about, like, recaps about this. And I was not alone in that thought. Many people thought that Gregson was going to show up. He was just going to be like, wait a second. (laughs) I mean, that also seems very, uh, it seems very Downton Abbey. Right. It really does. If there was a season seven, I bet that would have happened. Because they would have to, they'd have to resolve that shit. Something, yeah. Because yeah. we don't know for sure. I mean, we do know for sure, though. They did tell us that he died. Yeah, but there was never a funeral. We didn't see the body. I, <laughs> and I then mean, a soap opera. <laughs> but he's not true, dead. Also true. Oh, I like the her change of hair piece here. Yeah. It's so pretty. The last one's off our hands. Yeah. Look at that woman's top hat. Oh my gosh. I kind of love it. Yeah, I'm, I'm into it. 
Aww. I came down and spied on you. Right. Uh, more Downton Abbey things. Yes, more, because we love it and we want to talk about Downton Abbey until the day we die. <laughs> uh, the season six premiere drew 9.9 million people. Uh, for comparison, Jeez. the Breaking Bad finale was 10.3 million. So oh, very similar. Oh, wow. And I was like, the, the season finale of Mad Men was only like 6 million. What was the season finale of Game of Thrones? The series finale of Game of Thrones? Oh, that's a I'll good question. Look that up. Let's look it up. I'm looking it up right now. Uh, the Jeez. show has won 16 Emmys in total, which is very large, I feel like, for a soap opera. <laughs> um, and also, the Equality Titles Bill, uh, which was unsuccessful, but a piece of legislation introduced in the UK Parliament in 2013, also known as the Downton Abbey Law, uh, it would have allowed equal succession to female heirs to hereditary titles. But huh. it didn't it didn't even fucking work. Huh. But it was inspired by Lady Mary's predicament. Interesting. Hmm. Don't you find out Game of Thrones? Uh so <laughs> Is it like twenty four million or something insane? Nineteen point three million people <laughs> have viewed the <laughs> Okay, not but quite Game of Thrones. It wasn't one of those things that people tuned in for though. It's nineteen point three million total streamers. Oh, that's true. That's so a different it's like, format. It's a little bit different. Um, but it was, but 19.3 million viewers happened in the first couple of days of it being released. Okay. So it was all basically the night it came out, I would say probably pretty much. Um, it set a new HBO record. Let's see. Updated. Oh, this is just Oh, here we so go, here convenient. we go. Oh, okay. So I guess the HBO says the initial 9 p.m. linear telecast of The Iron Throne was seen by 13.6 million viewers, while same-day streaming and encore linear broadcast lifted the show to 19.3 million on the day of, basically. So if that is, I feel like that's got to be the most, right? Out of anything ever? I feel like it must be. Anyways... I like that this is awfully convenient again. Well, and, and Lord Grantham was like, I know the answer. Carson, this is what's going to happen. And then they're like, oh, what do you think, Thomas? <laughs> Instead of being like, hey, Thomas. Carson, thank goodness Barrow is just here. Like, <laughs> here we go. And start working right now. Well, and now we've sort of got this new reign. Like, they just sort of acknowledge each other, Mary and, and Barrow, because they're the new... Ah, oh, wow. We just had that handoff, didn't yeah. we? Wow. Marion Barrow. Mm-hmm. So I am interested to see... I have seen, like, one snippet of the movie of Barrow, like, getting very upset at the idea of Carson coming back. Hmm. So I'm interested to see the dynamic between Mary and Barrow. Okay. But Carson's obviously going to come back to help throw the party for the king and queen. Right. Of course... Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, girl. No, girl. So I, I told you, my best friend, for her second child, her water broke, and she had the baby eight minutes later. Yes, you did tell me that, and that's what? absolutely that's terrifying. terrifying. So that's why Mary's like, no, we're not, we're not going to take you. No, 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 why don't you just, gonna, just right, th- right, right here, right here, right here. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> 
You know what? Sheets can be washed. Let's have a baby. Let's have a baby. <laughs> Masturbates. Masturbates. No. no. Your baby. <laughs> I can't get over that. We're watching that porn. <laughs> we are. Yay. <laughs> Mr. Carson, get your shit together. Get your shit together, Carson. All right, I'm at 16% battery for my computer. I might need a... Oh, 15. It's dropping like flies. You're the best, Elizabeth's the best. She's grabbing me a charger. I love that they're having a whole fucking party and there's a woman giving birth upstairs. Why not? Yeah, like super cash, you know, NBD. <laughs> Thank you. There we go. Ugh. I love that the dowager goes the extra mile to, like, praise him then in front of Danker. Yeah, she... She never likes to be principal. That's true. There it is. Do you want a little cookie? Oh, yes, please. Aww. Yay! A little button on Daisy. They're cute. Maybe there's a little romance happening right mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. And Daisy's not being an asshole about it, which is surprising. So, are there things in this finale that you... Okay. Blessing on your head. Uh-huh. It's a Jewish phrase. I couldn't figure out where it came from, but... Okay. It's popular. But you said to me earlier... Fiddler on the Roof? Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah, it's a song. Uh-huh. A lot of people know, but anyway. Um, are there things that we wanted to see in this finale that you didn't? Um, you start. Well, I really wanted Baxter and Mosley to make it official. Would have been nice. You know, he's like got his own cottage now and like works in the village and they're just really cute and they're just and they like each other. And there are a lot of people in that hallway right now. Do we notice how how many people are there for this wedding? I mean, I guess it's a major well, it's a wedding. Big... Why didn't they have it at their big old crazy fancy house? I mean, well, obviously probably they... because the bride oh. like leaves their home, so it's normally mm. on their turf. Mm. All right, I guess that's true. I feel like that's traditional. That that makes sense. I wish this might have happened a little farther. Oh yeah, a little bit of miss Ed. I... I mean, of course, we, we can't have all the romance happen in the last episode, though. But we could have. We could have. Oh, my gosh. Wait, did she just have the baby and now they're all running up? No, no, no. They're running up to say goodbye to Edith. Oh, okay. Which is so sweet. It is sweet. I mean, if I worked downstairs and I had heard all these things about Edith all these years, I would be very excited for her to be getting married, too. <laughs> this is cute. I love cute. this little outfit with the fur-lined mm. trims. Yay. Thanks, lady. That's Thank all. Thank you. That should have been step one. That, Why was it so hard? Well, because she didn't know that she was a damaged goods. <laughs> Yay. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Until the movie, bum bum bum. I didn't know that. It's unlucky. Oh, I did not look up this tradition like I should have. Well, you should look it up for my wedding. My second wedding. 
<laughs> Are you going to throw a bouquet? No. That feels a little overkill. Well, then how am I supposed to find a husband, Elizabeth? What if I just give it to you? <laughs> That's <laughs> not how it works. One I have more. to elbow somebody out of the way to get it. Oh, my God. You fucking killed somebody at Shelly's wedding, didn't you? It was Jules. And yeah. uh, she'll never let me live it down. And I also, I don't remember... I, I honestly, if there was videotape evidence of this, I feel like I just jumped in front. There's no way I elbowed anybody. I'm not that competitive. <laughs> I had is to be. True? Is that true? Ah. Uh, I had to. It had to be basically thrown to me, and she must have been trying to like, you know what I mean? Because I wouldn't have pushed through a crowd to get to it. I've had my toes stepped on too much during bouquet tosses. Okay. <laughs> For me to get that competitive. I remember it differently, but according to legend, I elbowed her out of the way to get Shelly's uh, <laughs> bouquet. That's so funny. Who knows? Maybe I'm there, more competitive I than I that. thought. Hmm? So I was there. I don't remember that. Thank you. But I don't remember the bouquet toss. I'm also, I'm not exactly a great eyewitness. Got it. <laughs> I well, had been drinking, so. Yeah, I think we all had heavily. This is so sad. I feel like this moment's a little, aww, aww. Carson. Devastated. Uh, isn't that nice? Oh, fake baby. Yeah, I think so too. That is the fakest baby I've ever seen. I love that he brought up a little champagne. That's so cute. Again, there's no blood. Like the bl- like we've had two births now, no blood, and Lord Grantham got to vomit blood all over everybody <laughs> a couple of episodes In ago. Quite the theatrical way. <laughs> but it's okay. They're not okay with lady vagina blood. Oh yeah, lady vagina blood's the worst blood. <laughs> <laughs> so Okay, yeah, that's right. Mary had a surgery, so she doesn't have to go get another surgery to get pregnant again. Anna, if she got pregnant again, might have to go get that suture thing again. Probably. Yeah. But we did not talk about him unsuturing her, which would have had to happen for her to have the baby. But according to what we learned, they would have done that several weeks before she was due, just in case she went into labor so it didn't rip. Who? <laughs> Huh. Oh. That really. Anything ripping, any sort of oh. skin ripping, yeah. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Or organs, M- muscle or tissue, whatever. any of it. Ripping, no thanks. No, I'm out. <laughs> Sounds terrible. Aw. All right. Oh, he he didn't take them for congratulations for the baby. He for a toast for midnight for them. Yeah. L O L. I mean, I guess it's it's both. They get to make up. Yay. Okay, what else are we missing? Because um, she passes the gauntlet. Aww. Who else do we love that we wanted more from for this episode? Aw, that's very sweet. I do wish Tom had found some happiness, but... Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that the dog just stays in the basket. Such a good dog. Aw, there, Aww. see? Aw, aw, yay. Oh, that's a, there's a real baby. There's a Aww. real baby. 
Aww, I love this too. Yay! Oh, we all feel so good. It's so sweet. I like that she calls him Charlie right there. That's really cute. Mm. Oh, I'm glad Barrow's coming back. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> Here we I go. I love saying. I think it's appropriate. It's a Scottish song. She's Scott. Be I feel like we've talked about Old Lang Syne because they sang it during the World War what a World War One episode. Mm. Maybe. Maybe. I like that it's as a as a song, not yeah. just in this version, but like it's English and Celtic. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> they like kind of just go in and out. Yeah. It's Celtish. Like Spanglish. <laughs> Celtish. English. English. Uh, not like, uh, they really buttoned that so hard because that's the very beginning. Right. And now it's the end. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. All of us wishing that we could go back in time. This is definitely like a model. That's, I, I don't uh, think that's CGI. I think it's just a model. Oh. Like it looks funky. It does look a little funky. Oh, that's, that's it. it. We did it. Oh, we did it. I'm gonna cry. Drunkies, thank you for being with us on this amazing journey. This has been lots of fun. We hope you have enjoyed it too. We have had such a good time making it, and uh, obviously, we are gonna. So we're gonna go see the movie tonight, and then we're gonna get drunk when we see the movie, Abby. And we will be back for a little bonus episode to tell you what we thought of the movie post movie. Yeah. Well, but, we hope you guys enjoyed the movie, too. Yes. Let us know your thoughts on the Facebook group, on Instagram, where you can email us. <laughs> All the links are in the description below. <laughs> okay, Anyway, well. we love you, drunkies. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Hey drunkies! Hey drunkies! The conversation continues on Facebook at Drunk Downton and on Instagram at you guessed it, Drunk Downton. Tune in next Friday at drunkdownton.com and don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. A very special thank you. A very very special thank you to Samantha Aurelio for composing and performing our music. Bye. Bye.